Hello and welcome to Dive Collective's podcast, where we highlight the gifts and talents of our community of believers. Here at Dive Collective, we believe that to fully live, we need to be using and sharing our God-given gifts and talents with the world. We will always be encouraging our members within the collective to be living fully alive in this way. So here, in this space, we celebrate God by sharing the stories of those who are living out their callings and experiencing Him in both the mundane and the miraculous. Come and see. Welcome back. It's been a while, and I couldn't be more excited that our first episode back is a Mother's Day special in which we feature some incredible mothers from the collective and their greatest offerings of wisdom for all stages of parenting. First up, we will have Michelle Mattingly, who will share about those early years of parenting, Amber Jones, sharing about launching young adults, and lastly, my mother, Pat Haggerty, the greatest source of wisdom in my life, will be sharing how God has more than filled what would otherwise be an empty nest. Come and see. Michelle Mattingly, Michelle was a, is, Michelle is a good friend of mine. She was stationed with us in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. That's where we got to know each other. We did some Bible studies together and we've remained friends and she continues in Bible study with us. She has the most beautiful children. The oldest is the same age as my youngest. And then, so what are their ages, Michelle? I have five girls and a boy. They are 10, eight, seven, five, three, and two. Three and two. So if you have 15 minutes to share your best nuggets with others, Right. I was thinking if I have one line to say to a new mom or any mom, my one line is a line that a nurse told me after I had Barbara, my oldest, and it's stuck with me. Your children have only had you as a mom. You're their first mom. So they have nothing to compare you to. Mm-hmm. So don't don't put so much pressure on yourself to try to um, be this other mom or be somebody that you think is too hard to become. Just they don't have anybody to compare you to. So whatever you're doing, if you're just doing it's the enough. best you can do, it's enough. Oh, it's enough. That is so good, Michelle. That's so good. So just stop comparing yourself to other moms or whatever you're seeing. And, and I mean, what you're doing for them is, is really their only thing that they're seeing. So take that, you know, that stress off. Hopefully that helps a little bit. That's, that's my, my best piece of advice. That's so good. Cause our kids are not hanging out on Pinterest. Our, our kids that's are, what I'm saying. Yeah. No, they're not, they're not, they're not on social media yet. Like at this because mine are all so little still, we don't have them on, you know, they don't have iPhones yet and stuff. So they're not seeing other things. They're not like really comparing you to, you know, we're such a comparing society. So yeah. just, just be the best, you know, just do the best you can. And um, some days it'll obviously not be the best you can. And that's okay too, because kids have to see that everything's not perfect. Because then if they think you have to be the best of the best all the time, then that will then, you know, put pressure on them to be, to, they, then they'll feel that they'll have to be like that too. So real life is not, is not 
Pinterest, right? Like real life. That's such a good point. I mean, even just the idea that like they take their cues from us. So if we're putting that such pressure on ourselves to be perfectionists, that makes them feel like in order for them to be acceptable, they have to be perfect. That's a real nugget of wisdom too. Just that they're watching us and how we, the expectations that we have for ourselves, they assume those are their, the expectations that we have for them as well. Mm -hmm. That's really good. They have nothing else to compare it to. And they're just looking for a place. They're looking for a safe place. And that's what we are. We are their, their safe place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about the days when things get just like really hard and exhausting? That's a great, that's a great point. Because I was thinking about that. I think those days, if you can have like a back supply in your freezer of frozen pizzas or... I mean, ours are frozen pizzas, that's our thing, but just something where you don't then have to go through an exhausting day and then have to make dinner at the end of it all. Like you could just throw in a couple of frozen pizzas and call it a day. That is a huge help. Um, also to like, don't, don't feel like you're a bad mom if you need to turn on the TV and yeah. let the kids just zone out, have some quiet time while you just lay on your bed for 15 minutes or so and just gather your thoughts also you know the famous phrase like this too shall pass know that it's just a moment it's easier to make your you know to have yourself then start thinking about all the negatives that are then leading off from that but just Mm. just know that it'll you know this moment will pass and it's not going to necessarily be like this in even just an hour or two hours or the next day but I think the the frozen pizzas and the tv are a big blessing that's like your biggest practical tip and I love it I think that's so good especially you know for us for me I typically will um order out like I don't think about it in advance and so when I'm having a really hard day and things got out of control and I didn't have a chance to think at two o'clock about what I wanted to make at six o'clock I usually order out and that's expensive. It's way more expensive to do that. So just to even to be thinking and knowing in advance, I'm going to have hard days. And so we're going to have a stockpile of frozen pieces. (laughs) Brilliant, really. Or chicken pot pies or whatever the case is, something that can just easily, easily be tossed in the oven and done and thrown on the table. That's really good advice. I love that. You know, you have all these beautiful children at such young ages and you've continued to, and, the, and throughout the time you've even found a way to work. And I think that's really important, especially right now for moms to know that I remember feeling like when I was having my first baby, Hannah, I stopped working and stayed home with her. And then I, even when she got old enough, I even started homeschooling her. And I remember just always feeling like, she still wasn't getting enough of my attention. Like she wasn't, I wasn't spending enough time focused on her. Mm -hmm. And I remember people talking about like wondering about going to work and having kids and all those questions. And I was like, dude, if I can feel like I'm not spending enough with time with my children and I'm at home with them all day, like that's just, it's just a fact of life. I think that no matter what we're doing, we're feeling like that. And so to be able to work to serve your family in that way, and also know 
that it's enough that the time that you do spend with them, if it's a time where they feel safe and they feel, um, like you said, like they're not comparing you to anybody else. They're not comparing their experience to anybody else. All what they have with you is all, is all that they know. It's just, it's, I think it's encouraging to know that you can be a good mom, fully attentive to your children in the time that you have with them and still even be a part of providing for them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Going off of what you said, I think that working while having little kids, although it's not for everybody and Again, there's no perfect, I guess, picture of what the perfect mom would look like. It, it's different based on each person's situation or where they live and, and whatnot. But it's, it's all a balancing act. If you want to go back to work, if it makes you happy and it makes you better, you know, makes you better. And in doing so, you then are a better mom, I think, for your family. What amount of work can you handle on that spinning plate? You don't it's all about, it's all a balancing act. So you don't want to take on too, too much because then the other plate will break too. So. Yeah. Um, and even like you said, some people have to, some people have to, and that become like, there's no, there's no choice, but to work full-time and have kids and that spinning plate, like God is enough. Like God is mm-hmm. enough. If that is the plate that you were spinning mm-hmm. and your children, you feel like are another plate. If you love your children, you're not messing up. Like you just Mm -hmm. cannot mess up because God makes up the difference for all of those things. And I hope people will do the parenting study because I think the parenting study really points to that, that the destiny of our children's is not determined by us as much as we think that it is. He is the one um, that leads them ultimately to him and leads them along the way to the purposes that they're going to fulfill. And that's a hugely um, liberating realization to come to that he's he's got them. Like he really does. We're, we are stewards of them for a time, but he, he definitely has them. So anyway, I really love that. I love that picture that your nurse told you that idea that kids aren't comparing us to anybody else. We are, we are all they have that we are what they know of motherhood and yeah, we love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just hold that, hold that, um, you know, line close. And if you or having a rough day, just remember that, remember that, that they're not comparing you to anything, like put in a frozen pizza, and go this, lay on your bed and turn on the TV for the kids. And this too shall pass. Yeah. And this too shall pass. Yes. So good, Michelle. Thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. I, um, thank you for having me and I'm excited about the parenting study too. I think it's going to be really good. I really like it when we have, we get to do things with the whole um, community. We want to take a brief moment to let you know that our in-depth Bible studies will be coming back in June. It doesn't matter if you've never done one before. Now's the time to join us. We're diving into the life of Jacob in Dive Genesis. You can join our live groups or you can follow along on the network and you'll have access to all of our dive studies in podcast form. You can do them at your own pace. Come and see at divecollective.org. Now let's get back to our special as we share some wisdom for launching young adults into the world with Amber Jones. For this portion of the of our episode today, we have Amber Jones is joining us again. She's one of our favorite guests. I mention her name at least weekly about things that I've learned from her or things that um 
ways that my life is better because of the things that she's learned. I just feel like she goes, you go before me in a lot of um, different areas of your life. And so I was literally just talking about you and sex this morning with Annika because <laughs> we're in Song of Solomon in our Bible reading plan. So I'm excited to have you back on this show just to let everybody know if you haven't already heard of Amber. Amber is, we are blessed to have her in one of our Bible studies that we're doing, but she also is doing a podcast of her own. She has a whole ministry over at amberhjones.com, but you can find her podcast show is called Gold Digger. She has um, several different seasons on there. And you will find lots of gold. So I'm glad. Thank you for joining us, Amber. I'm thank you for having me. And I just want to say the feeling is very mutual. I don't think I go a week without um, mentioning your name in my life either. So you are just as precious to me, friend. God is so good <laughs> like that. Well, we had decided to do um, we're gonna do a parenting study for the month of May. And so one of the gifts that we wanted to offer the community and all those that know us is a podcast from different mothers that are in our community. I'm excited to have you here to talk to us about what it's like to be launching kids and all the things that you've learned in this phase. When I posted the parenting study, I had somebody message me and say, Hey, I'm launching kids right now. And I'm trying to figure out how to help them through this transition. I wish that there was something out there for this stage of life. So this is you. I'm excited to be able to tell her we have that coming. So tell us what you have gleaned from the Lord in this season of your life. Just to give a little background, I have seven kids. I came by that amazing number of seven children (laughs) through various ways. I have three biological sons. I have a daughter we adopted from Ethiopia about 12 years ago. And I have my sister's three children, she died of cancer five years ago, and I had uh, gotten custody of her three children, which brought me to seven. And my sister and I had children at the same time. So I artificially twinned many of my kids. So I have like two 20 year olds and a 19, 18, 17, 14 and 10. So I'm all over the spectrum on ages. And so I've learned a lot and am learning. That's what I really want to emphasize is that I don't think there are any parenting experts, despite what we, we buy into our own press as Christians a lot, that we have all the answers and we so don't. And God doesn't give us all the answers, at least not um, in a black and white manner, um, like some kind of parenting manual. So I'm not an expert but I am a student and I am learning and I am gaining knowledge on a daily basis. And what I really want to say today falls into two things. One is the, when your kids hit about probably 12, they're going to start seeing you in a different way than they saw you before. You know, I was a homeschooling mom, raised my kids with the idea that if we gave them this beautiful Christian environment to grow up in, that they would go and become wonderful Christian young men and women. And it would all be such a happy, beautiful story in contrast to what the world has to offer. And it was just such a great endeavor. And that is so sad. I look back on that now and I see that because of that, I was in so much pride. And I was in so much of my own flesh instead of realizing what a daunting 
beautiful, complex journey parenting really is. I was looking for answers. And so circling back to what I was saying, when they hit about 12, they start to see you, your faith, your God, your household rules, your family culture, all of that, they begin to see in a very different light. And it's the light of their own soul that they're seeing it through, which is not your soul. No matter if you carried them in your body, mama, yes, you did that. And you are the mama, but you are not their soul keeper. God is. And so when they come into their own, when they start to do that, they look around with these eyes that God gave them, these fresh, beautiful lenses that are theirs, and they see you and they see your humanity and they see your broken nature and your sin. And they also begin to see how that sin is affecting them. And as time goes on, that can become a really amazing, beautiful thing. Or it can become a really devastating thing to mothers. And so I decided to lean in and let that become an amazing, beautiful thing. And I'm so glad I made that decision because it has enabled me to become what I always should have been in their lives, which is a spiritual companion and not an expert, not a judge, not um, mama knows everything. And I'm a mama mama. I'm a two on the Enneagram. I'm mom everyone. So I have the mom thing on lock. I am a mom, mom. I like to run things. So I'm really speaking from a place of understanding where that comes from, but I can't emphasize enough that learning to be their spiritual companion is the most important thing you can do. In my opinion, in adolescence, all the way into young adulthood, which is really about humility, right? The differences between Yeah, you got it. That's it. That's the word. And the Lord really showed me that as a mom, you have to spend so much time removing the speck from their eyes over and over again. You know, that's part of our job is to point out the flaws, point out the sin, point out what needs to be improved. But what do we have to do first before we remove that speck? We have to deal with that plank. Mm -hmm. in our own eyes. And that is a lifelong journey. That's not a one and done thing. That plank is going to be being removed actively for all of your life. And if they don't see you doing that, removing that plank, and I don't mean you just tell them your cute little testimonies (laughs) that are real whitewashed. I mean, at age appropriate, Now you have to tell your children and show them how you're removing that plank. And this is what I have found to be the best tool in my tool house for helping my young adults, my teenagers to have that relationship with me. That's whole and holy at the same time where we can be together, but I'm also able to take a true leadership role still in their lives because they know the real me. Yes. I'm finding that with my own kids, if I'm going to get a real picture of who I am, it's going to cut my kids are the ones who are seeing it, you know? And, and I love it. Sometimes my daughter will start a sentence off with mom. Can I be honest with you about something? You know, and I know that she's about to like, you know, she's about to present me with something that she sees in me. And it's the sweetest. I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's always like, okay, big goal, hard. but it's real. Like it's real. real. And it's, and like you said, I think there's a, a certain amount leaning into that, like the joy that there is in allowing God 
to refine us through our children's eyes to be able to look in that mirror and go, okay, that's real. Like what you're seeing is real. That's not, it's not to be brushed off, especially if we're trying to influence them in, a, in that same humility, right? That's what we want for our kids. That's right. And I feel like the Amber now, who is the spiritual companion to her friends or trying to be, I mean, to her children or trying to be is so different from the one that I began with because I thought that I had so much control that I didn't have over my own life and my kids' lives and how it all turned out, how our stories went. And the truth of the matter is you cannot, you have so much less control than you think you have. You have almost none. You have a ton of influence though. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between those two things. What would you say to somebody who is, there are many people in our audience who struggle the way that you have the, the words that you said at the beginning, I think were I would try to pre present this, um, uh, this perfect Christian world. Like we're trying to shelter them in this perfect Christian world. And I think there are parents that are still trying to do that, even as they're launching their kids, you know, like, yes. what do you, and, and you say like, we don't have control, but there you're gonna have to explain that to some people, because I think they really think they have more control than they realize. I just present this to you because out of all humility, this is what I've learned through many tears and so much pain is that God inserted, and I mean, God inserted brokenness into my home. He inserted trauma into my home. God did this now. God put traumatized children into my little perfect Christian home. <laughs> and God said, this is good. This is what I want for you, you all, all of you. And it was the best thing that could have happened to us as painful as it has been because it helped my children and me be free to be who we truly are before God, to flesh all of that out in real time. All of those things that we could have carefully hidden away because we had a controlled environment came out to the surface and we had to deal with what was not what we wanted to pretend was. Mm -hmm. And I just see as Christians, how we play pretend too often with our whole lives. We say things that aren't real. This is the reason our children are, are leaving the church. This is the reason our young people don't want anything to do with the church. I was reading a Fetzer study yesterday that says 70% of Americans consider themselves religious and spiritual, both. 70% of Americans claim to be religious and spiritual, but our church attendance is tanking year after year. We're down to something like below 50% now of people in the United States that attend church. They don't want what we're offering. They don't want our little orchestrated homeschool veggie tales co-op world. <laughs> they want something real. Yeah. yeah. That's going to carry them through this world in all of its various realities. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by spiritual companionship. As a mom, you can come alongside and say, you know what, I'm going to sit with you in this, mm -hmm. no matter what this is, no matter how bad it is, mm -hmm. I'm going to sit with you here. I'm not leaving you. Yeah. I don't like what you're doing. I don't agree with it, but I'm not going to leave you because mm -hmm. God doesn't leave us. And I'm showing them more in doing that simple act of presence 
than I have in all the Bible studies I've ever taught them mm-hmm. and all the theology that I've poured on them. And I've poured a lot, <laughs> a lot of it, but that simple active presence, that's what we all want mm. at our deepest level. That's what we want is just to be accepted and loved and known and truly seen. I mean, I'm tearing up now talking about it because I just wish I could impart this. I wish I could inject it into the hearts of every person who hears it because it will set you free. That's what I mean about removing the plank because it's a two-part journey. It's not just about your kids. It's about you, sister. Mm -hmm. It's about God wanting to take this opportunity to, to work on that plank in your own life. And do that in a loving way. That's not a bad way. I don't don't mean that in some kind of bad sense. Like, you know, deal with your own demons. I mean, really do the loving work of removing that plank for your children to see that example. Yeah, because as our kids see us living in the presence of a God who we know isn't going to leave us, who's going to be with us even in all of our flaws and in, um, in all of our lack of answers. And when our kids see us, sit down with them and say, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll pray with you. I will pray with you because I don't know the power of, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm sorry, the power of, I don't know. And I'm sorry. Like, yes, if you want a long-term relationship with your kid, it all starts with, I don't know. And I'm sorry. Yes. And I see you. I see you. It's, there's a difference between condoning sin and saying, I see you and still love you. Yes. And I'm not going anywhere. That is not what I was expecting to get from our time together, but that is powerful. And like you said, the most important thing, the most important thing for this stage of life. I'm so grateful. Thank you for taking this time with us, Amber. Thanks for sharing. Thank you for having me and welcoming my voice. I really appreciate it. And happy Mother's Day to everyone who's listening. Happy Mother's Day. Are you interested in reading the Bible in a year? Are you thinking it's already May and it's too late for you? I'm here to tell you it's not. We have a podcast for that too, and it's free on iTunes. Look for the recap podcast with Erin and Annika. We talk about our takeaways in a conversational format, and I think we're pretty interesting. You can even join the network and catch up and participate in the Bible Reading Plan Challenge. We give things away every month, and we have a grand prize drawing at the end of the year. You can catch up via the 18 podcasts and then continue reading along with us. Come and see at divecollective.org. Now, I'm excited to introduce you to my mother, Pat Haggerty. Our next and last guest on this show is Pat Haggerty. She goes by mom to me. She um, (laughs) is my greatest example of what it means to live and walk with Jesus. Um, I think that it's perfect that this interview is going to sit here after my interview with Amber. You know, at, at some point your kids start to reflect back to who to you, who you really are, and that it's important to lean into that and to, and to walk with them and let them watch you as you work out your relationship with Jesus as they so honestly, if you have that kind of relationship with them, point out your flaws uh, and the places that you're not completely perfect, holy yet, you know, we, we just, we don't get there in this lifetime. And so I was not expecting that to that interview to go in that direction, but I love that it did. And I love that it did right before this interview with you, because I can say with hundred percent confidence that it was 
your authentic relationship with Jesus before us that is what allowed me to walk in an authentic relationship with Jesus and to understand what it was really about. And then it's not about memorizing scripture and homeschooling my kids and doing all of those things. It's about like actually knowing him and allowing him to change us. So I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to hear what God wants to share through you about parenting. And I want to say that like, you, it's cool because you get to give it to us in retrospect, but you're still a parent. You're still very much a mom. You still mom me from afar. You just walk beside me and you help continue to point me to Jesus. And I'm grateful for that. So with all of that said, I would love to hear from you and let you talk for a little bit about what you, if you had a few minutes to share with parents, what's the one thing or a few things that you would really want them to know? Well, I, I think that I'm going to start out with the bumps because I'm not sure how helpful it is to anybody else to think that somebody with the um, credentials that you just gave me um, <laughs> smoothly sailed through this period of life because it wasn't without its bumps for sure. Oh, no. Uh, the, um, just even the words empty nest. Um, you hear about them before it happens to you and you know that it's something big and that it's hard and that people don't look forward to it. And so you sort of prepare as much as you can for something that you have no idea really until it's you, what they meant, you know, just thinking about it, I'm thinking about you know, when, when you're raising your kids, you kind of have expectations for what it's going to look like when they become adults. Mm. And I think you can't help but think it's going to look the way it looked for you. For me, I think I had some, um, I don't know how hard of expectations they were, but they were certainly hopes. And because it was bumpy, I think there was a certain amount of expectation in it that you were you, that somebody was going to live near you that you were going to live life with at least one of your kids and some of your grandchildren mm. and um for your dad and I really the empty nest was not the extreme but certainly closer to empty nest than a lot of people that are in our circle of friends yes. you know we had three children uh well we we lived near grandma and grandpa. So, you know, there were Sunday dinners and there were inviting them to birthday parties. And, you know, so we lived close to one of our mothers. And I think that I had thoughts that that's what it was going to look like for me too. There was going to be Sunday dinners and, you know, doing life together with somebody. And that wasn't the journey that the Lord had for dad and I. So when people use the expression emptiness, I think we fit you very it. much. Yeah, very much into that category, not only as far as living immediately with people, but even having them close by mm -hmm. um, to get invited to soccer games and, and those sorts of things. That's not part of the journey that God called us to. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie, I would get so that I would feel okay about the journey that God has us on. And then, you know, just unexpectedly people who aren't meaning to um, trigger you will say something and suddenly you feel like you're missing something. It, it's interesting how, um, 
how much the culture that you live in and the things that you hear and the way other people paint things really af affect the way you think about them if you don't address those triggers. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I think that I have learned is that when something triggers me, I need to look at it. I need to take it to the Lord and we need to talk about it and I need to look at it. Because if you don't, you get stuck there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it sound like empty nest is an unbumpy, easy transition because it isn't. And the world unknowingly doesn't necessarily help if your transition doesn't look a particular way. So that was one thing that I wanted to address. It is definitely a transition. And, and for me, I think that a lot of the questions that I asked myself, you know, what am I going to do now? What is my calling? Am I doing enough for you, Lord? I think those sorts of things really revealed to me that I was so much more works oriented than I realized. Toward God, as in like you needed to work out who you were what, for God. What will I do now that my kids are gone? And in addition, retiring. And I had, you know, I was an elementary school teacher. So I had those kids in my life. So I kind of went through empty nest twice. Mm -hmm. um, but the questions were, what will I do now? What am I called to do now? Am I doing enough for you, Lord? And, and it's very interesting because that was a kind of a hard time for me to think I needed to do something to feel significant. And I think that's about the time that you were, we were doing Matthew mm -hmm. and um, in chapter seven, where Jesus describes what the end times are going to look like. And he says, a lot of people are going to come to me and say, I did this and I did this and I did this. And, and I'm going to just honestly say to them, get away from me. I don't even know you. That really hit me. It's like, I know Jesus knows me. I know God knows me. What does this mean? This is quite the statement. I don't even know you. And I think that that and a retreat group that I got involved in really led me to probably the most important thing for not only getting me through empty nest, but really, if you take anything from it, this, this really stands up under everything that affects you in, in life. But it is the thing, if you're asking me for one thing, nobody has to call it this, but I call it solitude time. I knew there was something deep in that statement that Jesus made about, I don't even know you mm. when he's God and he does. So it started me thinking about what it means to know somebody, what friendship looks like in this life, and to understand that I wanted to know him. I didn't want to get to that point and have him say to me, I don't know you. Mm. This isn't everybody's journey. I would say that knowing God, we could stop right there. And I could say that knowing God is the most important thing, which is where you started. I almost said, we're done when you, <laughs> when you said that, but wrap it up. It, it is key. And my solitude time with Jesus or God, whoever shows up that day. And I know it's the same person, but it's funny that it's a relational sort of difference that it isn't necessarily going to look the same to anybody else. When I'm with him in, the, in that place, which I have named the spacious place, I know that it's he and I, that it is uniquely a place where we two friends meet. And I know that he wants to have that with everybody. 
and that it has made all the difference in the world for me to have that time with him. And for me, it's just getting quiet. And it sometimes it's really hard to get quiet because your mind wanders. And sometimes I bring myself back to quietness with him. Sometimes I just talk to him about whatever it is, the thing is that comes into my mind. I just kind of let the time be the way it would be if I was sitting with a friend. Mm. And sometimes he speaks to me and I write and I always write that down. Like if he says something to me, I write it down, but he doesn't always, but I know if he doesn't speak to me, he's still working down underneath and behind in me. And I might not recognize it any more than you would recognize how much a child grew from one day to the next, if you were doing those pencil marks every day, Mm -hmm. but over time, he's changing me probably the most fun time that we had together. I asked him afterwards, what was that? And he said, that's my freedom. Hmm. And I, you know, and I still am chomping about all the things that happened during that time with us together. But, you know, just, I would say, figure out where you meet Jesus. Hmm. He built you the way he built you. You know, for you, it might be music for you. It might be fishing for you. It might be just taking a walk. It doesn't need to look the way it does for me, but wherever it is that you can manage to get quiet enough for him to speak to you, Mm. it's like eating and whatever he speaks to me, when I come back from my spacious place, it's a big enough meal that it always overflows into my understanding and relationships with, with other people. Mm. I don't know where I am time-wise, but I guess that's my, that's my thing that I would say is whatever you decide that you're going to do with your empty nest time, carve out time, knowing that your relationship with God as a friendship, as actually getting to know him and getting to know yourself is probably the single most important thing that's happened to me my whole life. With that said, I would have to say to you that empty nest has very little meaning for me. I mean, first of all, when I even think about what people mean when they say the word nest, they're talking about my house. Mm. It goes with my nest goes with me wherever I am. Like it's, I don't have this sense of my, my kids are all gone from my house. My nest is wherever I am and it's not empty. It has become fuller and deeper and wider and higher Mm. all the time. Now, if any of my kids said I'm moving back home, I wouldn't talk them out of it. Don't get (laughs) me wrong. But because I'm knowing God better and I'm knowing me better, the, the world that his, me, has that he's planted me in, I find that in Proverbs, it says something about having an apt word. Mm. I feel like I have the ability to speak into other people's lives in a way that I never could before. And so it's not empty. My life mm. is full. Mm. It, it, it's full and it's overflowing and it's, and it's large and it's, it's mystery. It's adventure. It's really been an adventure, but it's been an adventure because I chose to know God. 
Hmm. Instead of listening to what the world told me the empty nest was going to be like. For me, I don't even feel like it's an empty nest. I think it's a full life. That is so good. And once again, that is uh, not what I expected to get out of our time together. <laughs> but I, I love it. It's, it's so powerful because that was Amber's response is like, he's present. Bring his presence into your relationship with your kids. Model his presence. And what that means that like, he's never going anywhere under any circumstances for any reason, but you're taking it even to the next level, which is like, he's like, once your kids are gone, he's still present for us. Like, and he fills, he fills us to overflowing. There's no emptiness with him. There's so many things I want to tell people about how, not just how you parented us, but how you've, how so much of even my own children's uh, relationships with each other and their relationship with God has been impacted by you using the time that you have with them, which is not as much as any of us would like it to be to its fullest. But that is for another time because the essence, if there's one thing that we would want people to know, this is the thing. Do you want me to ask you the next time you ask me to do um, an interview to remind you to bring Kleenex? Yes, please. That would be great. <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> I should have known. you, kiddo. I'm 42 <laughs> years into this. Uh, all right. I love you, mom. Thank you so much for this. Well, I really appreciate it. I know many people will be blessed. If you enjoyed this story and are interested in joining an online community committed to studying and living out God's word together, discovering our God-given gifts, and living out our callings, you have found a home at Dive Collective. Visit divecollective.org for a free reading plan and our free dive guide where we share our version of how we do in-depth Bible studies. While you're there, sign up for an upcoming live interactive dive study and join us as we strive to discover how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Come and see.